Hi, everyone. My name is Rithik, and welcome to another edition of Lifetime Value. Today, I have my very close friend, Carlos Torija, with us, who is one of the first programmers that I interviewed and hired when I was back at Confio. Carlos Torija, in a short span of four years, went from a junior software engineer at Confio to lead architect, which is a huge achievement, especially in such a short period of time. Carlos is currently the VP of engineering at Fondeadora, a Mexican neobank. And today he's here to talk about the ins and outs of what it is to be an engineer in the Mexican fintech environment. He also shares the current challenges and opportunities in the tech sector. So without further ado, please help me welcome Carlos. Thanks, Rick. Rick. Happy to be here. Hey, Carlos, it's been a while. How's everything going? Fine, fine. Really challenging moments, but everything's cool right now. Amazing. And this is really weird because I only always call you as your last name, Dorija. So it's kind of weird <laughs> to right. be referring to you as Carlos. But for the sake of professionalism, I'll go with Carlos this time. <laughs> sure. So, Carlos, why don't you start us off? Uh, I gave a brief introduction. I'd love to hear from you as well as to how we met and how you got into the fintech environment. Yeah, so we met back in 2016, I guess. Yeah. As you just mentioned, I got into Confio as a junior developer, working mostly with the financial team, which was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we started having a lot of projects regarding the automation of the reporting for the investor tech the internal reporting for the collections aspects and the portfolio handling, right? Mm -hmm. So after that, I mostly got into a lot of the aspects within Confio. I got into collections. I got into the operation aspects. I got into a little bit of um, the product side also. Mm -hmm. And that helped me understand a lot of the business aspect back at Confio. So I think that's part of, a big reason I, I took the architecture role back there, mm -hmm. given I could understand the context in different areas. Mm -hmm. And to sort of add on to a bit more of uh, Carlos's journey, he actually worked outside of Mexico before as well. He was also working as an engineer in Panama. And he brought all of those experiences to Confio's tech team. And I remember the interview that we did together. It, I think it was universally agreed when um, we finished the interview that the amount of potential that he brought to the table was immense. I mostly asked him finance related questions, which, you know, you wouldn't really get as a engineer, but uh, I remember you being able to answer them very, very well. Maybe you can um, get us a bit more deeper into the tech side of a fintech and perhaps explain in as simple terms as possible what the tech side of a fintech firm does. Right. So there are several aspects that you can tackle in software engineering as a company. And in fintech, there are, uh, there's a huge depth to which we can go in what each role in engineering entails. But mostly software engineering that focuses mostly on the development of the product Early on, they can even take part of the infrastructure, the data part, and the IT responsibilities. That's like the main role everyone understands when they think about engineering. But the other roles that are 
as important are the data engineering, which has several responsibilities. So also starting from effectively structuring every data source uh, that a company can have, mm -hmm. all the way to the to how we are going to consume that data, be it business intelligence or automating the decisions in real time. Another huge area is the IT, which mostly focuses on the continuous operation of the company, be it through the management of the devices and the network, for example. And there are some other roles which may not be in like every company. Each company has like their own flavor on how they want to structure on a more specialized aspect. But mm -hmm. roles like DevOps engineering or what an SRE uh, is, which is basically a site reliability engineering position that uh, Google started developing a few years ago. Okay. And that now has become a little bit more of an industry standard, et cetera. Okay. okay. Now, okay, maybe you can perhaps explain in your experience the subtle differences between the tech side in Confio versus perhaps at Fondiadora. Right. So for example, Confio started with a real focus on the data side, right? Okay. Whereas in Fondiadora, we're really focused on the mobile aspect. Okay. Right. So early on, we had a lot of definitions on what we had envisioned the data engineering team to be. We mm -hmm. have an ETL developer, a business intelligence engineer, some expert on data warehousing, data lakes, etc., etc. And in and here in Fondiadora, we are more focused on specializing on Android development, iOS development, mm -hmm. the complexities that are starting to show up given Huawei's new platform. So that has been the main difference between these two companies in, in specific. And again, the roles can vary deeply with, between company and company. Interesting. Now, one of the hardest things or biggest projects that me and you worked on back at Confio was finding a single source of truth for our data. A lot of times, even though every startup boasts on the amount of data that they're collecting, it ends up being a really difficult task to actually pinpoint our data towards whatever is the most accurate source of truth. Why is it so difficult? I think that has several reasons, but the main one that we found both at Confio and at Fondiadora has been the misalignment between areas in a company, uh, the lack of ownership of the process that are happening within the company. So for example, the collections process there was a misalignment between certain definitions between the finance team and the collections team. Mm. So that kind of, of lack of ownership of a process or the other side, the too many cooks on a kitchen has, has an effect on, on missing the actual definitions of the data you're looking at. Something called the Conway's law. It basically says that the communication in a company and all of the channels and the structure of that company define the software architecture, which means if you define in your company, you have, like I just said, a collection team and a financial team divided by the what aspects they take more ownership on. Financial team was more focused on the investor side and, and the portfolio side, and the collection side was more focused on the operation of the of the given portfolio. So okay. that difference on focus can direct the way the architecture evolves. Mm -hmm. I understand. I mean, to give like a sort of summary and an example would be perhaps collections 
defines an active user as somebody who has been transacting with us for 90 days while finance mm. might be looking at it at 60 days. And mm-hmm. because of that misalignment, you know, you end up having several sources of truth. So yeah, that makes sense. Perhaps the biggest question that I have is, you know, from a tech perspective, what do you think differentiates Mexico and LATAM from the rest of the world? You know, like be it in skill, adoption of technology, talent, what, what do you think is the main reason or why perhaps LATAM or Mexico might be different from the rest of the world? Right. So I think mainly that there's a lack of mentorship and training in mm-hmm. the engineering industry here in Mexico. I don't think at all there's a lack of talent. I've seen very talented people here. But it, as long as there are resources online and some engineer can learn everything they're doing back in Silicon Valley, it's very different for them to execute it on small projects they're doing by themselves than to do it at scale with a big team. So these differences uh, in how they execute within the tools they have at hand, it's really what I think, it's not helping us push the industry here in in Mexico. Here in Mexico, we have a a lot of consulting teams, right? We're mostly Mm -hmm. focused on consulting rather than in products, which means a lot of our engineering efforts go towards uh, short-term projects there's no way we can actually go deep in knowledge on a single product. We mostly finish a project, deliver to a client, and that's it, right? So there's no actual way to see how that project operates at production, if that project is scalable. Those concerns does not exist here in Mexico for the consulting side of things. Mm-hmm. So that difference uh, on consistency working within a a single project or product Mm -hmm. is mostly what has uh, stifled the the growth of engineers here in Mexico. Very interesting. And perhaps I can, you know, add from my personal experience is like you said, you know, I don't think there's a lack of talent, but I feel that there is sometimes a lack of understanding the context perhaps, or willingness to learn the context and just doesn't apply to engineers, but also, you know, people who are on the non-tech side or like the finance guys or the commercial guys is the point of the context. So to give an example, one thing I felt was that when we were making the financial reporting and creating everything as real time as possible, as much guidance I was giving you on the indicators and the definition and how to program them. When you saw logical breaks, for example, the principle of a loan being negative, uh, you immediately found a way to correct it because it's impossible. But I've come across engineers, you know, may know several different languages and come from a highly technical background but they're not willing to actually either understand the context and try and problem solve that, or they've just gone ahead and been like, this is what you asked me to do. And, and that's all I'm going to do. And I think it also cuts both ways. Cause uh, one of the things I, I realize is, you know, a bunch of people who are like really finance guys and, and MBAs from all the top schools, but then they didn't want to actually communicate with the engineers. They just said, I want this done. And then you do it. And I want to see the best version. I think there's a lot of collaboration that actually needs to happen. 
And it's not just so much that, oh, this is tech and this, all this code, I don't get it. So uh, I'm not going to do it. I think, I think the best way to do it is to dive into it head first. Uh, and that's something I felt was something you do really well, like going beyond just what your job is. And I think that's very important in this particular environment where we don't have the resources of a multi-billion dollar company and you tend to have to understand everybody's job in order to do your job successfully. Perhaps we can also delve deeper into what your everyday is as a engineer at uh, Fondeadora. Right. So in Fondeadora, I'm no longer executing as an engineer. Okay. I'm mostly focusing on organizational design, how the team is going to be communicating with the rest of, of the company okay. and making the team as effective as possible, right? Which can entail de delivering products that actually uh, add value to our customers, but most importantly, make our engineers fulfill with what they're executing on. Okay, got it. And in terms of the future, where, where do you see... Uh, a lot of the, the tech side evolving. And, and this doesn't have to be just the, the LATAM, but like, you know, in, in Silicon Valley or globally, how do you see the evolution? For example, before AWS, you know, right. perhaps you would need a bunch of people who could just do all that server stuff. But mm -hmm. now with AWS, all you have to do is just rent and maybe have one guy in charge. I think right now there's a lot of interesting things going on with the no code um, community. I don't know if, if community is the right word, but um, in which they're pushing for a more user-friendly way of developing products, right? Okay. So the premise is that there is no code. There's no need for engineering knowledge. Hmm. You, can, you can just do drag and drop stuff like you would do with a Squarespace, for example. Wow. Uh, being able to do more complex stuff than a web page, but still enabling more people to get into product development without the need of engineering. I, I don't see it reaching a wider audience okay. right now. I, yeah. I think that's going to happen until two or three years if the technology matures a little bit more. So it doesn't make you worried for your job then? <laughs> even, even then, even if it uh, becomes uh, like the main way of developing products, there's still yeah. a need for optimizing stuff at scale. Okay. I don't think no code is going to solve that. I think it's no code is going to solve a lot of problems for companies like bootstrapping or mm. raising their first round of capital, but early stages, I, I don't see no code on a big, on a scale. big scale. Yeah. At least not right now. Again, it yeah. depends on how the, the technology matures, but only time will tell. Got it. Well, I have a very serious question for you. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope you're able to answer this seriously <laughs> as well. Okay. Um, do you sometimes put lines and lines of code on sublime text uh, with all its colors and put it on your screen while non-tech people walk by so that they're impressed with your coding ability or uh, they leave you alone? No. <laughs> find that, I find that hard to believe. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure personally that has happened <laughs> where I wanted something and then you just had this massive 
amount of code. I was like, well, I don't know if I should be. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, from my perspective, I sometimes put complicated looking Excels on my screen so that people wouldn't come and disturb me. <laughs> As a rule of thumb, do not, do not disturb engineers when they're looking at code because mostly our job is to read it. Okay. More, even more than writing it. So there we don't. Go. That's, that's a good rule of thumb for everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but perhaps something that our listeners might be interested in knowing is that you are fluent in Japanese. No, no, no. I'm you're, not fluent. I mean, your phone, your laptop is actually written or... I can, I can, I can read yeah. kanji. Kanji, right. I can read Japanese, like yeah. 60%. Yeah. But I cannot... I don't speak it. Well, I mean, I, I'm starting to write it as of a month ago. I started using this app called Hello Talk. Okay. That's this like social media for languages. Langu well, well, like that's really fascinating because I believe you're self taught and it's not an easy language at all, especially since English and Spanish grammatical rules do not follow Japanese, like not even close, right? Well, I, I, I don't really like the term sata because okay. I don't think anyone can be that because at the end of the day, you are consuming someone else's content and sure. someone else put effort on creating that content so that, so that you can uh, digest it, right? Okay. So, so I don't really like that term. Okay. Uh, I've been doing it by myself. I, have no teacher in that sense. Right. But yes. How did you get into it? Anime, mostly. Wow. <laughs> <As you do. laughs> well, I mean, that's some serious dedication because normal people would just put English subtitles, but I'm actually starting to try to read manga full Japanese, wow. no, no translation. That's been really fun lately. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. Well, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the, the next section called the payback period. Yeah, so given we, you are a, a FinTech podcast, I would okay. like to know a little bit about your biggest challenges trying to get access to financial services as an expat here in Mexico. That is a great question. For me, and this is probably one of the reasons why I'm so supportive of these neobanks, was essentially, even though I had a Mexican visa, it was so difficult for me to really open up a bank account. And next level, even harder to get a credit card. This, this for me was essentially stopped uh, how I could get paid uh, if I wanted to transfer any money back to Singapore and vice versa going to the bank account and, and sitting there doing the workday uh, for like a couple of hours, you know, that was a, an extreme inconvenience. And I felt that the way that, for example, Clara is going with uh, offering a credit card, the way Fondiadora is going, you know, quickly opening up your bank account and you can start receiving pay. I felt that is such a big help to expat like myself and I also think like big companies like Nubank where uh, it's solely going for the credit card, you know, for people who are a bit more financially literate, a credit card can present a lot of opportunities, especially if you can pay without interest-free monthly payments, et cetera. Uh, I think that's a big advantage. 
And I think that the current credit scoring system in a lot of the banks is extremely flawed. So I think these challenges have made me very skewed towards how these new banks are tackling this situation. And especially as an expat, I personally feel, especially since I come from Singapore and there are not that many of us here, the next thing I would love to have is to be able to transfer my pay in pesos to Sing dollars easily, sort of like a transfer wise. I have been using transfer wise as a Singaporean. So if I need to change my Singapore dollars to pesos and send it to my uh, bank account here, it's very easy, but I'd love to be able to do it the other way around as well. Anyone who's listening and (laughs) thinking of doing so, please, please do it. And you have my full support as well as pretty much any other expat, I would think. (laughs) Great question. Great question. Well, before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask any advice you have for junior engineers who are thinking about entering fintech. I don't think this advice is just for entering fintech, but as an engineer, Mm -hmm. uh, do not get tunnel vision on technical details. Mm. You mentioned previously uh, how we work on Confio, several problems around the standard reporting package, right? Yes. So I think that what really helped me push that project forward was instead of focusing on how I was going to implement it, was understanding how it all worked behind the curtain, mm. you know, mm-hmm. not, not so much about the technical details, like language and database or whatever they're just tools Mm -hmm. right they're not Mm -hmm. the actual goal so i think that would be it excellent would you like to share your contact information so you can find me on linkedin as carlos torija or with my email hi at torijacarlos.com and that's it well Perfect. Well, Carlos, it's, it's always such a pleasure speaking with you and thank you for taking time out to help our listeners understand more about the tech side of fintech. No problem. Thanks for inviting me.